Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done. Perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. Before we get started, I've got a quick favor to ask. If you're here, you probably like our show. And if you like our show, you will certainly like our newsletter. It comes out every morning at 6 a.m., just like this pod. But with other events, feature segments, and insider news, just text DC to 66866 if you want to sign up. And today on CityCast DC, so anyone who knows me knows I like food and I like arguing, which means I'm really into today's pod when CityCast's Julia Karen and I are joined by Washingtonian's ace dining reporter Jessica Sidman to debate her collection of 2023 restaurant hot takes. Today is Thursday, August 3rd. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what DC is talking about. All right, so we have a bad case of Sid mania today because Jess Sidman is here. Oh and God. we have a bad case of Karen mania because Julia Karen is here with me too. Oh and boy. we are talking restaurants, hot food, hot takes. Jess, uh, you published this summer a piece in Washingtonian where you solicited from the general public and then your colleagues some restaurant hot takes, which uh, struck me as a really good place to begin some arguments about the state of the food scene in Washington, which is what you cover for a living. Absolutely. There are some very spicy takes and people have a lot of controversial opinions. Let's just put it that way. First hot take, the best half smoke in DC isn't at Ben's Chili Bowl. Correct. I think that the best half smoke in DC is actually at a somewhat nearby restaurant called Meats and Foods. And in my opinion, this is just a slightly chefier version in quality, but still has everything you love about a classic Ben's half smoke, where it's messy and unpretentious and all of that. But they make their own sausages, they make their own chili, and it's just a notch above in quality. And, you know, I, I still love Ben's. Isn't making your own sausages kind of pretentious? Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes, but when you eat it, it's not, when you eat it, you're not like, oh, some fancy fine dining chef made me this fancy half smoke. It's still, you know, a quick bite, a sloppy eat, a drunk food, all those great things that you love about Ben's Half Smoke. I just think the taste is superior. Here's the thing. If I'm drunk, I don't know that I'll be able to tell if the taste is superior. <laughs> all I care about is I need protein and carbs and cheese in my body immediately. I would also counterpoint and say Ben's gets their sausages delivered from like a specialty meat store in Baltimore. So 
it isn't that they're making them in-house. Like, the chili they make in-house, obviously. But, like, is it a specialty, Frank? I feel like you could debate, like, what do we consider a specialty, Frank, you know? I mean, the thing I'll say about Ben's, which I, you know, I love Ben's, it, but a lot of its appeal is so tied up in its history and its location and its character. Yeah. There's so much more that goes into a Ben's experience than just the food. I'm very food-minded, quality-minded, even if I've had a few drinks. So for me, I'm going to go for meats and foods. All right. Well, I think you've now given Julia an excuse to expense like a night of drinking so long as it finishes with a half-smoke eating contest. You better <laughs> believe I, I will make it happen. Let's go. I'll join you. All right. So speaking of local institutions, albeit not quite as vintage, one from your colleague, Ann Limpert, the cupcakes at Georgetown Cupcake are better than the ones that baked and wired. Absolutely that's the hell huge. Not. No. Will you explain no. explain the, the, okay, the, the you know what? why I that's such a big deal? Here to, I'm not here to defend Anne on this take. <laughs> she can throw her under the bus. Let's go. <laughs> She's on her own island with this one. I would say this is prob this is probably one of our most controversial takes, though, that we published. And I think, you know, if you're a in the know local, the traditional wisdom is, you know, Georgetown Cupcake. That's where the tourists go and line up. But us smart, savvy locals, we know the real gem is across the street over at Baked and Wired, the other local bakery, which actually I agree with. <laughs> uh, I, I just think that the, the flavors are more pure. To me, Georgetown Cupcake is a sugar bomb. That's not my thing. So I actually totally disagree with Anne on this. But just to be to do Anne justice, her argument okay, was please. that Baked and Wired has uh, a lot more going for it. But when you get to a specific question of the cupcakes, we're not talking about the chai or the brownies or anything else. When you get to the specific question yes. of the cupcakes, Anne finds the Georgetown cupcakes, which she notes that she acquires at the chill Bethesda location, not the touristy Georgetown one, mm -hmm. finds them true, true. to be of higher cupcake quality. Here's my thing, though. In Bethesda, there are not as many pickings of cupcakes to have. Georgetown cupcake is like the only pickin'. So I would argue that because it's slim pickings in Bethesda, Anne is defending her argument based on just quantity of cupcake available versus quality of cupcake available. I will also say Baked and Wired's crumb and frosting are both better. They just are. I'm sorry. Boom. To defend Anne for a moment, I know she is a big fan of just your classic grocery store cupcake. You know, the Georgetown cupcakes, they are a little more petite and, you know, that quick sweet treat. Whereas I feel like Baked and Wired is really that full dessert experience. So, you know, maybe if you have that preference to each their own. Yeah. My view is if you're going to sin, sin. Like, have the good thing. <laughs> have a lot of it. All right. This was a Sidman take. And it's one I, I, I feel violently about. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Uh -oh. QR codes are great. And we're talking about the QR codes that you use to scan <laughs> menus, to, to call up menus on your phone instead of getting an actual paper menu. Defend yourself, Sidman. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, I think everyone is just a little dramatic about the restaurant QR codes because the same people who 
are vehemently opposed to pulling up a menu on their phone are also the ones writing a detailed email on their phones, checking their bank account on their phones, literally doing their entire lives on their phones. So it's not such a huge leap. I mean, I guess you could make some ageism arguments. And, you know, to me, I do love a beautiful paper menu, but I think paper menus are kind of overrated in a lot of ways. Sometimes they're a little greasy or germy or, you know, just the practical element from a a restaurant that changes its menu every day. It's very expensive to be printing out a new one all the time. One of my biggest pet peeves is (laughs) when you're eating out with four people and they give you one menu Mm. and then you got to pass it around. It's just... It's annoying. QR code, everybody scans it. Everyone's good to go. I love when you can order and pay on your phone. Makes for a quick escape if you have kids. So I think it's a great innovation. When you get the QR code and you you pull up the menu on your phone and it is a PDF and you have to like enlarge and shrink and pull yourself around the page, that's very unpleasant. You actually can't compare the whole menu. If it's actually just like a, a native made web page, then it's often a lot easier to scan and a much less annoying experience. But can you at least acknowledge that the ones who take you to a complicated PDF are diminishing your dining pleasure? Yeah, I I agree. I think there are variations on who does it well and who doesn't do it as well. I think actually, Mike, you and I went out to a restaurant semi-recently where they didn't have very good cell service. So you had to log in to their Wi-Fi to be able to scan the QR code. And then they had some sort of complicated password for their Wi-Fi and I kept typing it in wrong. And it was this whole thing. And then I just ended up saying, hey, can I use your phone? I did not like that. We should have left. I'm against that many barriers, but I think there are places that make it easy, which is the point. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, A Vida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. Okay, another Sidman point. $20 for a good sandwich is totally reasonable. Oh boy. Yes. <laughs> oh boy. For a good sandwich. Okay, here's the thing. I think it, this is a not unique to sandwiches, but a lot of the food we eat, we are not really paying what it's worth or we have unrealistic expectations for value because people talk about caring that something is made from scratch or uses quality local ingredients, that people are well paid for their labor. All of those things cost money. And if you want them, you have to pay for them. And 
a sandwich is actually an incredibly complex dish if you uh, do it well, because you maybe have that house-made bread. You have some sort of meat that maybe was, you know, slow roasted over hours or cured over days or weeks. You have the, that fresh tomato from the farmer's market that you want instead of the, you know, grocery store, slightly green, flavorless tomato. And all of those components cost money. And so $20, if that was a composed dish, no one would blink an eye. I don't think it should necessarily be any different if you put it between bread. I feel like my barometer for this is like Stokowski's in Georgetown, right? Or like you're getting basically a meal and a half out of a sandwich. High quality meat, high quality bread, pretty good vegetables. Should they charge more at Stokowski's? Is that what you're saying? Well, I would like to go. To, I'd like to go to the menu on this one. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. There are hot pastrami is twenty one ninety. It's twenty one. I feel like this is a, a bad argument because actually I feel like most of their sandwiches are pretty close to $20. So this is actually to my point that you got to pay for quality. Wait, what are some of the stellar t- above $20 sandwiches that you can steer us to? One of my favorite sandwich places in DC is uh, Bub and Pops. And their sandwiches also are basically two meals. Half a sandwich, $12. Whole sandwich, $24. But again, this is a former fine dining chef who's making sandwiches, putting a lot of effort into each and every ingredient, and it's a lot of food. So I think that's actually a really great value. I don't know. I just I feel like the thing of sandwiches is they're a utilitarian thing. You can make it at home. I would never challenge you on like the cost of ingredients or the cost of labor or what the cost should be of labor. So that like it may be that they are it is a completely reasonable price for them to charge and they're not making some ridiculous markup. For me, I feel lousier about spending money on things that I can make a version of, even if the version I make is cruddy, compared to things that I kind of can't make. Yeah, I, I mean I, I see what you're saying. I guess it depends, you know. I can make a PB and J at home, but I probably can't. Or, you know, I'm not going to put the effort into, you know, a delicious eggplant parm sandwich or whatever. So what I might not be willing to pay $20 for a PB&J, but I would definitely pay it for something of higher quality. One of the other things you did was you then turned around and solicited from your massive audience of followers online their own hot takes on restaurants. I don't know if you had any favorites among them, but I was intrigued by the person who wrote, all Jose Andres restaurants are overrated. True, yeah, false, what do you think? okay. You're putting her on the spot, Mike. It was interesting to see the takes because I feel like they did fall in certain categories. There were a lot of takes about Call Your Mother, mm-hmm. the very popular bagel spot. A lot of people saying, oh, is it? it's overrated, but then... Also saying, oh, it's great. So I'm, I'm like, well, okay, well, which one is the hot take? And the same with Le Diplomat. A lot of comments about Le Diplomat. And then there are a lot of comments about you can't get any good pizza in D.C. You can't get any good sandwiches, any good fill in the blank. 
Which to me is not even a real hot take. That's just a lazy take. And you obviously aren't even trying to explore this region if you think you can't get anything good in a certain very broad category of food. All right. Give us your assessment. The person who said there's no good Mexican food. True, false? False, false. There's so much good Mexican food. Where would you send that person to change their mind? If you're in D.C., I would send them to 14th Street, just north of Columbia Heights. One of my favorites at the moment, it's a newer place, it's called Chicatana. This is uh, one of the ones on 14th Street. And you can get tacos if you want with ants and grasshoppers, but also just really delicious classics, al pastor. They have great cocktails as well. So I, I, I think that's a great new addition. I would check that out. There were two hot takes, as you mentioned, that were kind of contrasting. One is the hot take that call your mother is not good. And the other is the take that says dunking on call your mother is played out. <laughs> is call your mother not good? Okay, so I think it is good. I would say my personal feeling on Call Your Mother is that their bagels are a little sweet for my taste, but I am a huge fan of their bagel sandwiches. So that's a more nuanced take. Obviously, they have the flashy branding. So, you know, maybe people want to hate on that. But, you know, I, I actually get Call Your Mother bagels all the time. So I can't hate on them. Why is it that people so love to dunk on Call Your Mother and so on? I mean, there are these places that are kind of like buzzy in Washington, and yet that, and yet there's a sort of other crowd that seems to want to like, in, like relish uh, saying, "Oh, I'm not into that." I think it's to be like nonconformist, right? To say like, "Oh yeah, like everyone thinks this place is good." No, it's actually not. Like, I will fully admit, I think Call Your Mother is fine. I'm happy to get a bagel there. Is it my first choice? No, but it scratches the itch. I don't yeah. think it's like, you know, the best bagel in the history of the world. Like, no, that's not the point of it. My view on it is like, if you're trying to be nonconformist, go find a place that you actually really like and then maybe tell me about it so I can go and then I can rank it. And then I can tell you that your place is actually overrated and sucks. That sounds right. <laughs> Somebody actually told you also that their take was no one should go to founding farmers. But isn't that like not the hot take, but the everyone take? I mean, that, that's the, the, the place that famously got zero stars from Tom Seatsman. Here's the thing. Here's, so so this is part one of two of my hot takes. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna hear yours. Part one, founding farmers is actually not the worst in the history of the world. I think it is tired. I think the comp to founding farmers is Cheesecake Factory. If you think of founding farmers as DC's little own Cheesecake Factory, wide variety on the menu, anyone can kind of get whatever they want. Is it the best food you're ever gonna eat? No, but does it scratch the itch of like, you've maybe got some picky eaters and you just need to get them a sandwich? Like, yes. So long as you're men you're comparing Founding Farmers to Cheesecake Factory, I also want to note that Jess's uh, collaborator, Ann Limpert, wrote that she believes the best Cobb salad in DC, and she has eaten many of them, is at the Cheesecake Factory. So just take that for whatever it's worth. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, so that was part one of my hot takes. Part two of my hot takes, I am sorry to every Marylander, you can disown me if you want, I don't care. Lido Pizza sucks. Lido Pizza, <laughs> actively awful. The crust is a cracker. The sauce is super sweet. The cheese, half the time, is like not really melted. And I can say this as someone who went to a bunch of fundraisers growing up at multiple Lido Pizzas. I think the square thing, like, wow, cool. It's in a square. The quality of the pizza is bad. Maryland, up your pizza standards, please. 
please for me, please. Wow, Julia. Okay. Wait, now I want to hear your your takes. Mike, do you have any restaurant hot takes? Oh, yeah. I need to know. I need to know. I mean, here's one of mine, and it sort of plays off something Julia just said. You okay. probably heard me say this before. But I am actually delighted that Washington, D.C. is not considered to have any sort of like indigenous food. This idea that you have to have, you must have strong feelings about Lido pizza or whatever. I lived in Philly for a while and you had like a press conference to announce your opinions about cheesesteaks. You know, I think that Pat's is better than Gino's or whatever. And there's nothing like that in D.C. where like there are these kind of really idiotic conversations about like, what's the most authentic? I mean, I actually think that that frees up the food scene to be much looser and we can sort of appropriate from wherever we want and get stuff from around the world. And from a like exhaustion point of view, when it comes to talking about your opinions on food, it's really, really good. Yeah. Well, because we don't have our one specific thing, we can have our hot takes on literally every other food, yes. basically. We yes. can pick on the bagels and the pizza and every other import and fight about those. Also, I'm a big fan of medium rare which is a local steakhouse chain that the gimmick is they've got just one thing on the menu. You just say how you want it cooked. You get steak, frites, and salad. It's a place where when I go with my family, it's the, the, the one place everyone agrees on. We were just in Paris, and we went to L'Entrecote, a Parisian restaurant that serves only one thing, and you say how you want it cooked, and it's got steak, frites, and salad. And it's basically the same thing, and I thought its sauce was better. But my family... The other three members of my family actually thought the the sauce at Medium Rare in D.C. was better. So mm. take that, L'Entrecote. Schaefer family <laughs> never getting invited back to Paris ever again. You think worse not be about food. The Parisians, oh, if they hear this, we're done. Jessica Sidman, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Julia, awesome to talk to you. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Before you go, here is some quick news. The Center for Disease Control is reporting a late summer COVID surge across the country, including in the DMB. Positive cases and hospitalizations started increasing in July after months of decline. The surge is looking less severe than previous ones, but be sure to get your booster and mask up and stay home if you're sick. Also, the National Gallery of Art has apologized for removing a visitor with a disability who was violating the museum's bag policy. The visitor had a spinal injury that made it impossible to follow the museum policy of wearing bags on one shoulder only. The visitor refused to let the gallery check the bag because they said it had life-saving medications. The National Gallery is now reviewing its bag policy. Meanwhile, Maryland residents spent over $87 million on cannabis during the first month of it being legal. Licensed growers sold almost 20,000 pounds of weed through July, far exceeding the industry's expectations. Business owners partly credit the 9% tax on cannabis, which allows legal weed prices to stay low. And finally, former President Donald Trump. Remember him? He is expected at the U.S. Federal Courthouse on Constitution Avenue today at 4 p.m. The area is already stacked with security, protesters, and road closures. Stay safe out there and avoid driving downtown if at all possible. That is all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, maybe tell a friend while arguing with them over dinner. You can also rate the show and leave us a review. And we really want you to subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. 
end the podcast. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs>